since you're back. Is this your first time in church since you're back? You came on Monday. Welcome back. Good to have you. You'll be leaving again. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. All right, welcome. Good to see you. <clears throat> Let's just bow our heads one more time if we can and just ask God to speak to us and to um, use his word to, to touch us. Father, we just thank you that, um, that you're present here, Lord, and, and I just pray that you may have a word for each person that is in this room here today, Lord, that you may be able to, to minister to us in, uh, in the smallest way or in the biggest way, Father, but that we may all be able to walk away from here knowing that we've been in the presence of the living God, that we worship the living God, and that you have spoken to us through your word. Father, we thank you for your word that's before us and that speaks to us. Father, this we pray in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Does this work? It doesn't. Okay. Can you put the slides? Can you come to the about the third slide I think we're going to start with? One more? Oh my. We'll go back to. <laughs> okay, it's the one that doesn't have any verses quoted. It's not a verse. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So, Rosanna and I did a. Um, we did a, a first aid clinic this week. And, um, and they showed us this. Who's seen this before? I'm sure a few of you have seen it. Okay, what I want you to do is look at, um, count how many Fs you can see there. And I'll give you, take your time. How many, how many letter Fs can you see there? So I'll give you about 30 seconds. Look carefully. And then I'll just ask um, Ben to, can you just flick it off, Benny? Okay. How many of you saw two Fs? Only saw two? That's it? Who saw three? A lot of you? Put your hands high. Okay, be proud. Who saw more? You wonder why. How could they see more, right? Who, who saw five? Who saw, who saw six? Did you guys see this before? You haven't. Okay, the, the point of it, put them back. Oh, you saw eight. Whoa. Okay. So let's count them again. There's one in finished, two in files. The ones that you guys missed was the... Finished, yeah, finished and files is... There's two. Okay, can anyone see the other ones now? You know, when they first say it, you say, how could they ha see more when there's only actually three there? Yeah. Most people would have missed the offs, right? It's incredible, isn't it? The, the, the point that I'm going to be making with this is we oftentimes do the same in Scripture. 
that we see something in Scripture, and then years later we see, and today we're going to be talking, and I've titled the sermon, Who Was Right, The Father or the Brother? So this is for when you put on the slide. So who was right, the father or the brother? Remember the parable of the, 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 the son, the, the, um, the son that goes away and that wants to, uh, the prodigal son? You know the story of the prodigal son? You would have heard it many times, right? And generally, you hear the story about the prodigal and, or about the father. How many times have you heard the story about the older brother or a sermon on the older brother? And that's what we're going to be focusing on today. So was he right or was the father right? So just keep that in mind. But before we go into that, well, can we have the first slide? <clears throat> so Jesus is asked, and this was many times, that Jesus was challenged by the tax collectors, um, by the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And they said, so in chapter 15, it talks about three parables. And all three of them have a similar Jesus is pointing and answering this question that they had or this concern that these guys had. So he says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the laws muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So they were concerned. You know, they were kind of a bit upset that he talks with sinners and he welcomes them and he's spending a lot of his time with sinners rather than if he's really the son of God, he should have come to spend time with us. And I'll relate it very shortly. So Jesus goes and tells him, tells him, first of all, the parable of the lost sheep. And he says, a man had, and you all remember it, so I'm not going to go to the whole parable. We're just going to go to the answer that Jesus had in the end. And he says, there was a, hundred, a guy that, suppose one of you had a hundred sheep, and one of them wanders off. Now, many, most of us are not farmers, but if you wander off, on a hundred, and you leave 99 sheep, most of the sheep will stay around. You know, they won't wander off. They'll all stay in the group, generally speaking. But one's wandered off, so Jesus said, this, you would go after that one that's wandered off because you know that the others are going to stay kind of together. So as you go and get the other one, you bring it back, and then this is what he said. So the next one, please. He says, this is what he says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more, and I highlighted the word, the, the word more, rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. So there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that needs to repent than 99 that don't need to repent. Now, if the guys didn't get it by now, he tells them another parable. And then the next parable says, suppose a woman has 10 silver coins... And she loses one. She goes and searches the whole house and looks everywhere for it. And then finally, and then when she finds her, she says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So the emphasis is not on the 99. The emphasis is not on the nine. It's on that actual individual one. So all the emphasis goes back to that one. And then Jesus starts talking about, um, about the prodigal son. So we'll read that one as well. Now, there's a bit of reading here. So I'll turn around and look. And, and if you guys want to read together with me, he says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had 
set off to a distant country and there squatted his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a famine, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen in that country who sent him to the field to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Now, I have highlighted in blue the father when the father speaks. And that kind of light brownish is when the older son speaks. Um, There's a few parts there that he says that he spoke this, but it's not him actually speaking. So that's um, how I've broke it up a bit for you, for us to to understand a little bit more the message. But the father said to his servant, quick, bring, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Celebrate. Meanwhile, the other son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard the music and dancing. So he called one of his ser- the servants and asked him, What was going on? Your brother has come, has come, he replied. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back and safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squatted your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fan calf for him. My son, the father said, You're always with me and everything I have is yours. But we have had to celebrate and be glad because this son of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So I think that these three parables, they're talking and and the emphasis and there's a story that keeps repeating itself. And it's it's it's, it's a story, the message to it, and it's also for us, is that the Son of Man came to seek that which was lost. And I want us to understand and to, and to basically put ourselves into the picture because the, we know that the prodigal son is basically unbelievers. So the prodigal son is unbelievers or believers that have backslidden, which a lot of people would say that they were never believers in the first place. But believers that have backslidden, regards of what your beliefs are, it's talking about that as well because that's the way that he accepted and when he came back and the father was so glad that his son finally came back. 
We know that the Father is obviously represents God himself or he represents Jesus, God the Father, God the Son. And the older son represents the religious establishment of that day. In, that case, in our case, it's the church, it's us. So Jesus in this chapter is using these three parables to illustrate the point that God is more concerned for one person who's lost and destined for hell than for the whole congregation that is saved of believers. Does that sound right to you? How do you feel about that? You'd feel gutted, wouldn't you? So maybe I'll, I'll, dress, I'll picture a little bit different that if there's a person that came off the street that has never been in church, that has, is not a believer, is not a Christian. I know a lot of people come and a lot of people come to our church that are believers and that's fantastic. They want to come and worship together with us. But if there is a new person that comes in and, and Jesus would just walk past all of us and would go straight to that person because he's concerned more about that person than what he's about us. How does that feel? Does it feel right? It doesn't feel right because that's what basically the, the older brother is saying. It doesn't feel right. It's not right. Does it bother you that God is more concerned? Are you offended by that? Then a faithful believer, or do we have the same attitude? Do we have the same attitude that the father had, that we have everything that we need from God and now we must focus on others getting it as well because we have this amazing treasure. Because we have this amazing treasure, should we now focus on others getting that amazing treasure as well? So back to the story. If we can go back to the previous slide, please, and we'll leave it up there. So... The father agrees to divide the wealth between the two sons. Now, I want you to understand that it was in traditionally in the Old Testament, if the father was to split the wealth, the oldest son or the firstborn would, especially if he stayed back, and you can follow this up in Deuteronomy chapter 21, the, the wealth this time, because there was only three, two of them, was split up two-thirds to the older one and one-third to the younger one. Now, the father is... The son would have got his inheritance when the other one got it as well. So his inheritance was split at the same time. He didn't have to wait till his father died. He got his inheritance. But the father was still the authority at that point. So the father would still maintain and be the authority. So the younger son leaves and goes and spends all his inheritance, as we've read, and loses it all and can't even get to... <laughs> The, the, the feet of the pigs are starting to look good for him. And what does he say? And he says in verse 18 and 19, he says, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. So he recognizes, and this is, this is repentance, when first of all that he recognizes that he had sinned. So he doesn't just say to himself, he doesn't say, you know, um, they have it so much better. I had it so much better there. Is this volume going up and down? <laughs> I'm going to have to move back a bit. Okay. So it's, it's not that he says they were so much better and I just want to have what I had before, but he actually recognises that he's fallen, that he's sinned, and he says that he's sinned against heaven and against you. Now, all sin is against the Father. 
every time that we sin is against God. All sin is against God, the Father. And so he says, I have sinned against you. I, have, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. And then in verse 21 he says, The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. So he didn't, he, he, he didn't stop there when his dad interrupted him. You notice that? You notice that his dad interrupted him and his dad welcomed him and his dad was thrilled to see him. And it almost looks like a, a, a card to get away with it, doesn't it? You know, sometimes you'd see an opportunity to get away with it and maybe I don't have to say the next step. Maybe I don't have to say what I really feel like, that I feel that I'm no longer worthy to be called his son. And to be, and so he just wanted to be a servant. That's all he thought, that if he just comes back and he's a servant, he'll be okay. Now, his other brother didn't see this part. His other brother didn't see that, all that he said to his dad. He didn't see the attitude of the brother. So the older brother, and see, sometimes that happens to us too when we see new people come. And when we see people that are saved, that are converted, we don't see that point, what they've actually gone through and how God's been on that journey with people. So we tend to be judgmental. And we like to judge, and that's our nature. I went to um, I went to a couple of sessions to the awakening um, on the weekend, and this one person, the, a lot of the people went out on the streets and were giving out cards, and they were writing people, and they mentioned only one person that came, and this person said that th this person went to a church that morning, at just a normal church in the city, one of the churches in the city there. And, um, and I think it was a female, and she said that, um, she says that if I don't get a sign from, from you, God, today, I, and we don't know anything about this person, we don't know if this person was a Christian before, if this person was a Catholic or was brought up, and it doesn't really matter. But this person was on a journey. And then one, someone came and gave him, handed him a, a card for the conference and to come and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that person then became saved and and. And, and that was the beginning of their journey. And they even said that she's asked to be part of a Bible study group. She wanted to hear that, the part of that. But my point with that is that it's just amazing how there's journeys and there's people that are on a journey just like this person was on this journey here. Not, God doesn't need to explain to us all about the journey and about... He just wanted us to be excited with him when people are saved. He wanted the other brother to be excited and to come and celebrate because his brother was lost and he's now found and how exciting is that so if jesus walks up here and he just goes and greets the person that walks into the church for the first time and he's excited about it and he say let's celebrate with me let's celebrate let's celebrate that someone has been found not to just start feeling sorry for ourselves and say well you know i've been around here and he hasn't he hasn't showed me that kind of um affection and that kind of joy and that's exactly what the brother felt so he acknowledged that he was a sinner he acknowledged that he wanted to be a servant and the key was his attitude and his willingness to give up his rights as a son and become a servant the attitude so it was it's the attitude that matters the attitude that is so important and then the father 
immediately forgives him and says to his, says to his servant, he doesn't say, he's another one, he's a helper. Here you can have a helper. There's another servant that we, find, we got. How good is this? He says, no, go and get the robe and get a ring and put on his finger. And we're going to treat this man as a king now. He's not going to be a, a servant. He's going to be treated as a king. So both the robes, and we know that the robe and the ring symbolize authority. And the, and the father straight away is immediately affirming that this man is a son and he's a heir. And this was really an insult to the other brother. This was an insult to the older brother. How could you? How could you after all he's done? So you could imagine the heart of the father and the younger brother, it's softening and they're, they're, they're just having a really good time now because he's come back. And the brother in the other hand. So there, there's two opposites, isn't there? There's one of love and affection and there's one here of sympathy and bitterness and anger. So the older brother has just got this anger in him. And I want you to remember that as I'm sharing this, that we are the older brother. We're in the shoes of the older brother. We represent the, 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 the church. We are the people of the church. We are the majority. This is the lost person out there. And so God is telling him and God is telling this older person, please come in. And he's begging him, he says the Bible. He begged his son to come in and to, 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 to go inside and to celebrate, to celebrate this great occasion. And we say to ourselves, you know, we've been faithful, God. We've been, um, we've been faithful in our giving, in our offering, in of our time, of our tidings. And, um, and, and, and you are just concerned about these people that are outside there. It doesn't seem fair, does it? So we can sympathise with the older brother. We would feel a little bit hard done by. Obedience out of duty rather than loving relationship with Jesus works. It's like works without love. The next slide, it's got, I think, Luke 17.3. He says, pay attention to yourself. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. That's pretty hard to to handle as well, isn't it? And it seems like Jesus is always pushing us to the limit, doesn't it? When it comes to forgiveness, push to the limit. When it comes to acceptance, he pushes us to the limit. And he just keeps repeating and it seems like the whole journey of Jesus was like that. And he's saying, you must forgive. You must forgive if he comes back. You notice, um, can we have the next slide, please? Um, The one before that. (laughs) Sorry, if I had the control, I would have been able to do it. Sorry, there, thank you. You notice that the brother, the older brother, does he refer to him as his brother? He doesn't, does he? He says, this son of yours, it's no longer, he doesn't want him even back into the family. He's so gutted about this. He's so 
distraught about it. He doesn't want to have him in the family. And then the father, basically the message that the father is saying, and we, we see down the bottom, he says, when he says, my son, the father said. So he reassures the son, and he says, my son, you know, you've been with me. You're always with me. Everything that I have. So this, is, this, this message, this thing in blue, is a message for you and me. This is Jesus speaking to us. So he's saying, my son, my daughter, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. But we've had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and he's alive. He was lost and he's found. But the point, going back a little bit, is the brother didn't want to have nothing to do with the other one. He was so gutted. He, he felt that he was ripped off, that it was taken away from him. And the father reassures him, everything I have is yours. Have we as a church become more focused on God rewarding us and for, our, for us being so devoted and wanting to, to, to be blessed and continuously blessed and we are to celebrate for the salvation of the lost? The next slide, it talks about Jesus, why he came. So he says, the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. That's why he came. He came to seek and to save the lost. And we, we're concerned, you know, I've heard it many times, people say, where would Jesus be if he was here today? Would he be in the church celebrating? Or would he be there calling others, bringing others in? Is our church more important than the, than the lost out there? The older brother had everything. We have everything. And it wasn't the time to celebrate. You know that when we get to heaven, there's going to be a, a huge party. There's going to be plenty of celebration there for you and for me. But now it's about when someone is found, someone that was lost is found, that celebration begins. And you know what I think that the father was also saying? He's telling his son, he's saying, this is for me as well. It's not only for the lost person. This is for me because I've let this person come back. This person's come back. My son has come back. I'm excited. I'm so glad. So when we first came to Jesus, he was so glad and he was so excited about us coming back that he wanted to celebrate and wanted to put on a big party. But the church didn't want to have a party for that one person. The church didn't want to have a party for you. No one wanted to have a party for you. It's not right. You've been a sinner. You've now come to Christ. And it's not right that we should all celebrate because of you. We've been faithful. We've been serving. We've been giving of ourselves. And it's just not fair. The attitude of entitlement. Not being too concerned about the loss being found, but more of getting my own needs met. My own needs met in church. You know, that's a, something that's toxic now in churches is that everyone wants to find a church that meets our needs and you would have heard this many a time and you're probably tired of hearing it. But we always want to go to a place that meets my needs. Did Jesus go and look for a place that met his needs? I don't think so. He was going around meeting the needs of people. But your brother, the father says, was gone, was lost. And now he's found. And I want you to celebrate with me. 
because that is a huge celebration for me. I want to celebrate. Come and join me in my celebration. That's how we should feel, not that we're more entitled. You always had what I'm giving you, what I'm giving him. You always had it. He's telling the brother. And you've had more than what he's got and more than what he's had. So stop waiting for me to give it to you when you already have it. You don't need to get it. You already have it. There's enough to go around. Rejoice. So every time a new per- another person gets saved, rejoice and be glad. Doesn't that say much, so a lot about our human greed? Everything's supposed to be fair. We should get more because we're better. We're more loyal. We work harder. We've always lived a moral life, so we should get more. That's justice, isn't it? It's not justice that someone walks... Remember the parable that Jesus talks about the workers going to, to the field? And he says that some of them, and I'll paraphrase it, and I haven't read the story, but some, some guys came in early in the morning and they worked all day and they got 100 bucks. Then another one came halfway through the day and got 100 bucks. Then some came in the last hour and they worked only one hour and got 100 bucks. And the guys come to him and they said, Lord, how could this be fair? He says, but didn't we agree that I'll pay you the $100 for the whole day? So why are you concerned about, can you see the story being repeated itself? So here is a message and then there's the message again. You know, don't worry about justice. Just be excited that you have more than what you need. You have far more than enough. I have far more than enough. We have far more than what we can consume. Do we feel that God has limited resources, that we have to worry, make sure it doesn't give too much out? Is that what the brother was concerned about here? He's going to start giving my belongings as well? He doesn't talk about any of that. He was just glad that his brother came back, that his son came back. That's all that he was celebrating. We don't need to judge like this brother wanted to judge. We need to leave the judging for God. So God is saying to us, are we going to stand outside the party with our arms crossed, waiting for me to give you something you think that you're entitled to? Well, we're going to come in and join the party. Have we ever asked God for joy? Have you ever felt that you don't have any joy inside you? Well, where does joy come from? In uh, John chapter 16, the Bible, well, the Bible tells us rejoice in the Lord always. In John chapter 16, Jesus gives us a reason we already should have joy. And we should, and, and that is because he came and what he's going to prepare for us. But more than that is because he's left his spirit, his Holy Spirit to live inside us. And so you have the spirit of God, the spirit of Jesus inside you and you should be full of joy. And I should be full of joy. You know, I've heard that they say that if you find that you are lonely in a church, find someone that is even more lonely than you in the church and then go and share with them and spend some time with them. And you'll find that all of a sudden, you'll find that you, you actually weren't that lonely, that this person was a lot lonelier. So by giving of yourself, you will experience that 
you'll have satisfaction because you no longer have, have that loneliness. So to share, so he challenges us to go out there and to look outside. Does a mother focus on the pain once she's had a baby born? Mothers, you know that. The pain is already forgotten, isn't it? You, never, you, you don't think of that anymore. You think of this beautiful gift that you have in front of you. You think of this beautiful child that you have and that you're so excited that's coming to the world. You don't look back. Say so your joy is now. You have this joy in front of you as a mother looking at a newborn. God's not going to zap you with joy. God's not going to zap you with peace. God's not going to zap you with wisdom. Have you asked God for wisdom? You know what God will say is, how many versions of Bible do you have at home? Well, now with your iPhone, you'd have 100 different versions, don't you? But I remember in the old days, my kids call it the olden days, you know. Charlie says the olden days. When he sees an old car, he says that's an olden day car. So in the olden days, we used to have five translations of Bible, six. Oscar would always have twice as many as I would, but Oscar used to like to have many different versions. But, you know, so if you want wisdom, go through one version or two versions. It's there. Read the Word. It's left for us to get wisdom from. A great example is um, my kids many times they say, and usually the smaller ones because the bigger ones already know that you'll give them an answer, right, when they say that I'm bored. How many parents remember their kids saying, I'm, I'm bored, I'm bored? You remember when your kids used to say that? Well, some of us, it was a while ago, but, you know, so your parents say, your kids say, I'm bored, I'm bored, and you say, how can you be bored? You know, and, and I think of myself and I say, how can you be bored? You have all these toys, you have bicycles, you have a place to run around, you have a trampoline and every parent will have something different that they have for their kids. But how can you be bored with all these things that you have? They don't realise the things that they have. And similar us as Christians, we don't realise it, we don't recognise what we have been given by God. So rather than being like the older brother that was concerned rather than going there to celebrate, need to get excited and to be celebrating. So this parable shows us a couple of things. First of all, it shows us that God has given us everything that we need for living a godly life. In the next verse, please. God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Second Peter 1, 3. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. So we already have everything that the Father gives. The question is whether we use it or not, or whether we're grateful, or whether we appreciate it. So it's not that he hasn't given us enough. And secondly, it's about Christian priorities. Should we be focused on ourselves and on our privileges as Christian, or should we be more concerned about the lost getting found? And remember, the Son of Man came... To seek that which was lost. That's what he came for. So he came to seek you and me when we were lost. And now, yes, now he's given us his spirit. So he gives you, so don't feel bad. Don't feel that he came to seek you. And once he found you, he doesn't seek you anymore. He's done something far greater. In John, he says that he breathed to his disciples, his spirit. He breathed it. Just like when God gave life to Adam. 
He breathed life into him. And Jesus breathed his spirit into his disciples. And to you and to me. Our privileges as Christians. That is our privilege. The spirit living inside us. God deciding to live inside us. Are our priorities the same as the Father's? Are our priorities the same as that of Jesus? We're nearly done. We're always asking God for something, but really, but never really giving Him what He wants. Just like this. Well, maybe not never giving Him. A lot of times we do give Him what He's after. Give Him of our time. Give Him of our... Um, our worship. You know, um, I think I think the answers are in His Word. Remember Moses when he was when he was going to Pharaoh and he was saying, "Well, you know, I'm really afraid to go to Pharaoh. What am I going to say to him?" And God said, "Don't worry, I'm going to be with you." And this gets repeated in, in the Bible with so many different heroes of faith that every time they were afraid, God never said, it's okay, I'm going to take the fear away from you so you feel bold, that you won't have fear. You'll have fear. But he always said, I will be with you. And he was with Israelites. And do you think that they were afraid when the, they had the, the Egyptian army behind them coming with chariots to destroy them? Of course they were afraid. And his message would have been again, don't be afraid, I'm with you. I'm with you. So the message to you and to me is, don't be afraid. God is with us. Are you looking at what you don't have, or are you looking at what you already have been given? Are you, are you jealous of the younger brother? Am I jealous of the younger brother? You know that Jesus shared this thought, these three parables and we really don't know how many Pharisees and teachers of the law actually repented and turned to God. How many became believers? We don't know that. But I have no doubt that some would have become believers and have came and followed Jesus after they saw a lot of the, um, a lot of the miracles and a lot of the things that he done. But Jesus is basically saying to, to, the, to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, it's not too late for you to turn back. It's not too late for you to turn around. It's not too late for you to repent and to come back. And he's, you know, and he's given the story here. So first he tells them of the two lost coins and then finally tells them this amazing story of the prodigal son. And he then says that when he found him, when the son finally came back, he's telling the Pharisees, if you come back, He's telling the teachers of the law, if you come back, I will accept you. And the father not only accepted him, but he'll be excited if the Pharisees came back. God cares more about attitude change and heart change than immediate behavior change. You know that when we have behavior change, if it's not an attitude or a heart change, it doesn't last long. 
and you probably know with things that you like even you want to go to 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 a gym or something and you started so that's a it's a behavior change and and it doesn't last very long does it i've done it myself a few times don't bother anymore joining a gym because i know i'm not going to keep up with it but an attitude change and a heart change that's what god's after the Bible says we're being formed in the image of Christ. So if we are Christians, should we be more like the older son or more like the father? Should we be like the son, the older son, or like the father that was excited and wanted to celebrate the children's coming? I hope and pray that this morning we've been challenged and we, we've uh, we'll be able to put the things that really matter to God and the things that really matter to Christ as a priority in our lives too. You know, and yes, we can't all go to the streets, we can't all, but if we have the attitude, just the attitude, and that's why I mentioned about the attitude, if you have the attitude then you'll be able to support those that do it. You'll be able to encourage those that do it. Financially give, whatever way. It's about the attitude. If you have the attitude and the love for people, then it, will, it won't be difficult. It won't be hard. You don't have to go out of your way. God formed you the way that you are for a reason. If you think that God, that you are shy, that I'm shy, that you're not good at speaking with people, he created you like that for a reason. He didn't create you. So don't try to change the way that you are. You don't need to. None of us need to change the way we are because he created us like that. He wanted you to be like that. You are unique in the way that you are. But your attitude, you can change. My attitude, I can change. And to be able to be supportive and excited when something that is lost is found. And I think that that's the point. Don't try to change yourself. Don't try to be somebody that you're not. Just the attitude. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you have an amazing love for the lost. Thank you that in your kingdom, Lord, there's room for everybody. It's not a capacity and it will never be a capacity because you have room for every sinner to be saved. And whilst we know that that's not going to happen, Lord, just pray that we may be excited, that we may not be like the older son, Father, but that we may be able to be excited with you, Father, that we may be able to celebrate with you when some, someone is found, is no longer lost, and you get excited and you want to have that party, and you want to bring the best party possible that we could get excited. Thank you, Jesus, for the amazing illustrations that you left us in your word thank you that it wasn't enough to say it once in one parable or twice but you said it three times and the 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 point comes home when you demonstrate your love for humanity when you demonstrate your love for the lost Thank you, Jesus. Just pray that you may be with us, that we may be able to focus on others and less on ourselves, that we may be a, a church of, of reaching out, of giving, rather than a selfish church that just looks at its needs and, and everything that we want for ourselves. Father, we just 
praise you and thank you for your spirit that is living inside us. And we pray that you may be able to use us and use us here and use us in our new home as well, Father. But please use us now, Lord, to bring the message to the lost. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.